Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. When it comes to COVID-19 infection rates, the Bay Area continues to lead the state, but the numbers are rising across California, driven largely by subvariants of the coronavirus. And health officials say the actual number of infections is likely much higher because of people testing at home or not getting tested at all. With cases also rising in Southern California, the CDC has now moved LA County's COVID risk level from low to medium. In L.A., KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier explains what that means. Recorded case levels have nearly tripled over the past month, fueled by Omicron mutations. The move to the medium risk level is a warning for Angelinos to mask up and get vaccinated or boosted, says L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. We need to do everything we can to stay out of high. I'm just going to be honest. Ferrer says a mask mandate will return if L.A. County reaches the high community level, indicating that hospitals would be straining to cope with the number of COVID patients. But that's not the case yet. Meanwhile, everyone on L.A. County public transportation and travelers inside LAX and Hollywood Burbank airports will need to keep those masks on. The county will extend the mask mandate in transportation hubs on Friday. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. A Los Angeles man has been arraigned in San Francisco for allegedly threatening and harassing a Bay Area doctor who provides abortion services. San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin says the charges against Jonathan Hurley include vandalism, trespassing, obstructing access to a clinic, and felony stalking of a health care provider at San Francisco General Hospital. Because of a pattern of conduct, intentional, repeated, targeting a doctor who is simply doing their job. We will protect medical providers. We will protect the rights of patients to seek medical services that have to do with their reproductive health. The DA says Hurley is a member of the group Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. In addition to harassing patients and defacing a statue at San Francisco General with fake blood, Hurley allegedly went to the doctor's home and placed flyers and stickers there and at neighbors' houses that said, quote, a killer lives in your neighborhood. Hurley's arraignment comes just days after the Department of Homeland Security sent out a bulletin to local law enforcement agencies across the country warning about an increased increased risk of violent threats linked to the abortion debate.
At more than $6 a gallon, California has the highest gasoline prices in the country. So what's Sacramento doing about it? Well, state lawmakers want to use part of a $97 billion budget surplus to send out rebate checks. But legislators are in a stalemate over the details. In Sacramento, CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. Aurora Chang is filling up her gray sedan at a Safeway gas pump where the price is $5.69 a gallon. It's a good deal, about 20 cents lower than the regional average. Chang has to fill up twice a week since she's on the road a lot, getting her two grandkids and two nephews to school every day. In the morning, uh, in the afternoon, and then to their activities, football, basketball, so yeah, it's a lot of driving for me. She stops, leans over, and flicks the pump off before her tank is full. Usually I like to fill it up, but with that price, now it's probably going to take me $80, more than $80 to fill it up. And with inflation at a 40-year high, things have been tight. You have to figure out what you're going to do, rent and the gas, so you can't buy much for your food. Some state lawmakers have pushed to suspend California's gas tax, which at 51 cents per gallon is the highest in the nation. But Democratic leaders want to send out tax rebate checks to help families struggling with high gas prices and inflation. It's clear we have to go farther. Governor Gavin Newsom first floated the idea in March when fuel prices surged. And that's why working with legislative leadership, I'll be submitting a proposal to put money back in the pockets of Californians to address rising gas prices. Two months later, Democrats are at a standstill over the details. The governor wants to tie the rebates to car ownership, meaning anyone with an active DMV registration would get $400 or $800 for two vehicles. He's also proposing free public transit for three months. But top lawmakers point out his plan could mean a family that can't afford a car wouldn't get any cash. Instead, they want to target tax relief to lower and middle income families and distribute it through the state's tax board. Newsom says that would take months. My interest is to get the money out as quickly as possible. People are feeling deep stress, deep anxiety. You see that reflected in recent gas prices now beginning to go back up. One thing that's clear is that top Democrats in California do not want to pause the gas tax. They argue nothing would stop oil companies from keeping prices high and pocketing the difference. But Republicans and a handful of moderate Democrats continue to call for a gas tax holiday. I just don't know why this is so hard. Kevin Kiley is a GOP state lawmaker who's been pushing to suspend California's gas tax since January. We have the tool at our disposal. We can pass it now. It could be signed uh, in a few days and starting next week people could see the impact. Kylie, who's running for Congress in Northern California, supports any form of tax relief. But he says while Democrats have been going back and forth, Californians have continued to pay the highest gas prices in the country. Our caucus wants to provide relief, but it's political choices by our colleagues on the other side of the aisle and this governor that has so far stopped that from happening. In fact, California's gas tax is scheduled to increase by a few cents, as it does every year on July 1st. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. State Senators Melissa Hurtado and Dave Cortesi have sent a letter to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland requesting that the Department of Justice investigate possible drought profiteering and water rights abuses in California, as well as other Western states. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi explains. Hurtado tells the California Report she's concerned about the increasing amount of water rights being purchased by hedge funds. You're seeing corporations and sometimes multinational corporations investing in agricultural land across states where we know there is a drought, where there's going to be less water and there's an opportunity. It's not really regulated. Hurtado says she worries this could lead to more water shortages and skyrocketing water rates. She says the federal government can help investigate these things. In the state of California since about 2013, we've also seen 12 billion gallons of water that have been stolen. We've seen diversions of water that just need to be further investigated. There's a lot of information that could be easily obtained by the Department of Justice that we don't necessarily have the authority to be able to to collect that information. Hurtado says with another summer of drought, the federal government needs to see this as an urgent matter. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. A species of California salmon is at risk of extinction due to climate change. As a short-term remedy, wildlife officials are trucking the salmon to cooler waters. KCRW's Megan Jamerson has more. Federal and state wildlife officials are linking rising water temperatures with only 3% of Chinook salmon eggs hatching last year. Now they are working to move over 300 fish to cooler waters above the Shasta Dam in Northern California. But the government's plan is raising concerns among members of the Winnemum Wintu tribe, whose ancestors were displaced by the dam. The salmon are also central to the tribe's cultural and spiritual traditions. Some tribal members would like to see the original salmon species reintroduced to the Sacramento River and to develop a way for the fish to move naturally upriver above the dam to Shasta Lake. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. This week, it focuses on what happens when you don't learn your heritage language, the language your parents or grandparents speak. I bet a lot of you listening have faced that issue. Well, the California Report's Izzy Bloom gets asked all the time why she doesn't speak her heritage language, Japanese. And the answer is complicated. My mom, Yasuko, immigrated to the U.S. from Japan 34 years ago when she married my dad, who's white. She told me she'd always planned to raise her children bilingual. I worry about my kids doesn't understand who I am what I really meant, not only linguistically, it's just as a, as a person. I did worry about if I, if you, if my kids doesn't understand the Japanese, maybe never get really know me. 
When my older brother Max was born in 1994, my mom spoke to him exclusively in Japanese. She really loved holding Max and singing Japanese lullabies to him. I carrying around and walking around the house and very calm, and I singing, uh, singing, you know, the song, and I, and I, he, he sleeps. My mom talked to Max in Japanese, while my dad spoke to him in English. But when he was three, Max was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome, which can cause insatiable hunger, physical challenges, and delayed speech. What was it like to find out about Max when you got the diagnosis? Wow. Um, the feeling... I still don't forget it. The kind of the feeling you never felt before. After he was diagnosed, Max's pediatrician told our parents that if they wanted Max to learn English, it would have to be English only. And so when I was born five years after Max, it was just too complicated for my mom to only speak to one child in Japanese. So years later, I went on a quest to find out if the recommendations my parents got from Max's doctors were based in science. Is it detrimental to raise a kid like Max in a bilingual household? You can hear more about Izzy's journey to unpack bilingualism and disability on the California Reports Weekly magazine. Tune in on some public radio stations or download the magazine's podcast. And you can also get the podcast for this, our daily show. And that's the California Report for Friday, May 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Chris Hoff, with assistance from Jim Bennett and Brendan Willard. Our producers are Juan Carlos Lara and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinny Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and talk next week. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey. 
Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.